Welcome to In Focus, a discussion of current issues affecting our economy, featuring a review of the latest research and analysis from the Washington Research Council. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of In Focus, a podcast from the Washington Research Council. It is November 24th as we record this. My name is Mary Strau. I'm joined today by my colleague, Chris Showbloom. Um, we're going to start off with Chris, who has some numbers on re- state revenues as well as state employment. Take it away, Chris. Well, thank you very much, Mary. Pleasure to be with you. Mm-hmm, you too. Uh, and um, so, so there were two um, um, state reports, uh, important state reports, that came out uh, last week, last Wednesday, in fact. Um, uh, first, uh, first out was the uh, uh, state the uh, monthly employment report. Um, uh, Employment Security Department reported that estimated employment in the state um, grew uh, by uh, 6,900, pretty good number, um, uh, from the middle of uh, September to the middle of October. Um, uh, Further good news was that it involved the uh, employment growth in the preceding month, which was revised uh, to a loss of 1,400 jobs from the uh, previously estimated loss of, uh, of uh, 2,200 jobs. Uh, so on balance, adding those two together, we're at uh, 7,700 more jobs, uh, which is a nice clip. Uh, the, um, I, always, I always like to caution that these initial estimates are uh, just that, estimates uh, based on a relatively small sample of firms, um, and uh, sometimes the picture is quite a bit different uh, uh, when we get a complete enumeration of jobs from the other tax returns. But uh, we shall wait on that. Uh, another, I, I, I believe that uh, a month ago I was I talked a bit on this uh, podcast about uh, um, potential troubles in construction. Um, and uh, and uh, there was some good news on construction um, this month. Uh, it had to do with uh, revisions um, um, due to this uh, count that was coming in from the unemployment insurance. Uh, so that, that provided an additional 1,300 uh, construction jobs. Oh, that's good news. Uh, and that, yeah, it, it was back in the, come, those come in in kind of the historical record back at the period where I was worrying about the flatness. Um, you know, the things are not completely bright there now, but again, this, this suggests that, that uh, um, uh, with regard to construction going forward, we may, uh, revisions may be our, tra- uh, our friend. Um, so we shall see. Okay, well, good. Yeah, it's the sort of thing that makes it, you know, the, the, makes it uh, fun to get up in the morning. Uh, That's right. Uh, waiting, for, waiting for new data to come in. Uh, oh, now, the second thing. Uh, for you, for uh, you, maybe. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> For us data geeks. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I always have to find something to talk about on this podcast. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, anyway, so the, the second thing that happened last week was the um, was an uh, uh, update uh, to the uh, state revenue forecast. Um, um, sort of uh, using the the budget totals that that. Uh, State budget writers focus on the numbers for the for the uh, a roll up of the 
general fund uh, state account, the major uh, state account, together with the uh, um, uh, Education Legacy Trust and the uh, Opportunity Pathways. Mm-hmm. Uh, this grouping that we call, we tend to call the near general fund state plus. Um, uh, the uh, new forecast um, added uh, um, 103.3 million dollars uh, to the, the sum total uh, to funds available in the current biennium, and uh, also increased the forecast for the upcoming biennium by 24.7 million. Um, you know, a nice little, little bit of change that doesn't, sure. uh, doesn't, is not so much as to really radically change our picture of where the state's finances are. Uh, but it's always good to see the revisions going in the positive direction. And it'll more, that'll more than cover for the, um, the $100,000 a day fine that's been imposed on the legislature, right? Oh, yes. Yes, that would be more than cover for it. But, uh, um, Which is going to education you- anyway. But, you know, that, that $100,000 they find is, is just going to, into an account, uh, supposed to go into an account from which it could be spent for uh, education. And, uh, exactly. They could, and, and so it doesn't really uh, represent much of a constraint on, on legislators at all. That's right. Uh, so, so that's where uh, so we had a little bit of good news on, uh, on the general fund forecast. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also, uh, as part of this the forecast process now, they put together something called the budget outlook that looks um, um, uh, further in the future uh, and includes uh, estimates on the spending side. Uh, Emily wrote a post on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and we'll uh, be talking about that more in depth, doing yeah, our sort yeah. of our first pre-session uh, outlook uh, in next week's podcast. Yes, uh, but the, the short uh, uh, that that according to the outlook, you know, things are positive, but uh, but tight over the next two years. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly no scope in, in, in existing resources to, to, to really make a major uh, stab at McCleary. Um, the, uh, the actual, in the, in, the, in the upcoming biennium, uh, that shows, the outlook shows a negative uh, balance, more, more a negative uh, ending balance in the uh, unrestricted uh, general fund, uh, but there is uh, more than enough to cover that in the uh, in the rainy day account. Um, and, and I think it's worth noting that um, um, this outlook looks pretty far in the future, and uh, um, the margin of error in these kinds of estimates are quite large. Um, so at this point, there's not really much reason to, to be fixated on this uh, slight uh, shortfall um, uh, coming up. In, in normal times, we tend to see revenue forecast increase, um, so more money comes in than, than you would expect at this at, at this juncture. Um, and but that in in uh, unusual times. Um, you know, revenues can come in significantly below what's being forecasted. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, so that's why, you know, we'll wait and see. Right. And, well, I guess better than the alternative, um, but certainly not, not nothing, nothing high enough to really change the challenges faced by the legislature in the long term on finding funding source or funding sources for McCleary. That's right, and 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 also not, nothing sitting there that suggests that the um, that when legislators come back to um, uh, into session, 
uh, in January to write a supplemental budget that they're going to have um, you know, funds at hand. They, they will not have funds at hand to launch off, to, off into any new initiatives. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, that seems to be the consensus that they're going to be dealing with, among other things, the wildfires. Um, and But then as in terms of K-12 funding, it's all going to be about agreeing on a plan if they can't agree right. on a plan. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Chris. And um, I'm just going to um, comment on two blogs that I had no hand in writing. Um, Emily, who's not with us today, um, did a comprehensive overview of the state Supreme Court's final decision on charter schools, which it released uh, last week. Um, Another instance of unfortunate timing, of course, its first ruling on charter schools came (laughs) declaring charter schools unconstitutional. Uh, came right before the start of the school year. And I, I, I think actually some of the charter schools had actually already started school. Now, this final decision where it declined to change in any substantive form, its initial ruling came while a large group of charter school students and teachers and parents were down in Olympia testifying uh, in the Senate uh, in favor of charter schools. Um, so that's the second, um, unfortunately, time decision in a row from the state Supreme Court on charter schools. Um, so I'm just going to go through <clears throat> Emily's very excellent uh, blog post on this to give to give you the um, uh, some of the elements of what, what happened. Um, so a majority of five justices decided to delete footnote 10 from the original opinion, <clears throat> finding that char- which finding that charter schools are unconstitutional. Um, Other than that, the decision stands. Footnote 10 says that the absence of local control by voters would also violate the Article 9 uniformity requirement. Um, The Attorney General had specifically asked the court to eliminate footnote 10 in his motion for reconsideration. Uh, Following yesterday's order, or rather last week's order, he said that by removing footnote 10, the court eliminated a significant threat to programs like Running Start, tribal compact schools, uh, as well as vocational education. So that may be the case, but there were other concerns that were raised by current Attorney General Bob Ferguson, uh, as well as four former Attorney Generals and a bipartisan group of legislators related to the court's reasoning about funding. Um, For example, the Attorney General had asked the court to remove language that equates basic education appropriations with restricted common schools funding. Uh, He had written, such a ruling cast doubt on the funding mechanisms for a wide range of public, non-common school programs. Similarly, uh, the former attorneys general wrote, based on the court's reasoning, once the general fund has been contaminated by commingling the general fund with common school funds, a good argument can be made that no expenditures from the general fund may be made except for the common schools. Um, The three justices who had dissented from the original opinion also dissented from this order. They wrote that they would grant grant full reconsideration, and we agree with the deletion of footnote 10. Uh, Justice Mary Yu, who was part of the 
majority on the original opinion also dissented from this order. She wrote that she would grant reconsideration solely on the question of charter school funding and the use of unrestricted funds for such schools. This court unanimously held that charter schools are not common schools under our Constitution, and I believe, Justice Yu wrote, that it that is the correct decision under our laws. However, the state and various uh, amici, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, have raised legitimate questions regarding the use of unrestricted funds and the power of the legislature to act. Uh, current Attorney General Bob no- uh, Ferguson noted yet, uh, last week that it is now up to the legislature to decide whether to adopt a different mechanism to fund charter schools. Um, the AP reported also that uh, Senator Andy Hill uh, said that charter schools will be one of the biggest issues lawmakers deal with next session, and he said we need to fix that glitch. There are ways, he said, you can specify where funds for charter schools come from. Um, so it's it does sound indeed that <clears throat> in addition to a McCleary plan um, and funding for the wildfire response, that charter schools are going to be a big issue uh, this session, and time is really of the essence because these schools do have some private funding, but that's going to run out after a year. So uh, that's going to that's gonna be a, a pretty controversial topic, although the charter schools do have a lot of bipartisan support. Um, so hopefully they'll be able to get this fixed. And I must say, you know, having watched the Senate hearing um, where many, many charter school students and teachers and parents testified. It was pretty compelling to hear these kids talk about how um, charter schools had really changed their lives. Most of them had previously been in traditional public schools, which um, just weren't a good fit for them, and how much more motivated and inspired and excited they were by um, being a charter school student. So we'll, we'll... Time will tell on that, but you can be guaranteed that that's going to uh, take up a good deal of bandwidth um, this in this upcoming legislative session. Um, finally, um, just commenting on a blog post that Lou made last week, um, the Tax Foundation recently is- issued a nationwide report on uh, cell phone taxes. Um, and uh, turns out Washington state residents now pay the highest wireless user taxes in the country, a uh, staggering statewide average of 18.69%, consisting of state and local taxes, combined with the added federal tax rate of 6.46%, gives Washingtonians the only wireless tax rate above 25% in the nation. Um, so... It's another case where we're number one in not a very good way. Um, I have no idea if that's on the radar of any legislators to perhaps um, reduce that rate. Um, But who knows? Maybe maybe it will be. I can see that, um, yeah, we are kind of far and away. If you look at the map, and I'll I'll post a link to it uh, in our blog post, uh, we are... We are way up there, obviously, at number one. All right. Well, I think that's it um, for this week. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, Yes, happy Thanksgiving. Yes, and uh, enjoy your turkey and gravy and stuffing and whatever else 
whatever else you enjoy on Thanksgiving. Um, and as I said, next week on In Focus, we will be delving into the various aspects of what to expect this legislative session with a particular eye on budget numbers, forecast numbers, and all of that. So thank you. Thank you, Chris. It's my pleasure. All right. And uh, thank you to our listeners, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. In Focus is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. Your tax-deductible investment allows our work to continue. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.